Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Larry Kay, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, Friday, May 4th, 2018. Uh, today we're, we're reading from the big book, and we are currently on page 59, the uh, second paragraph, uh, starting with here are the steps we took. We're just going to read through the first step this morning. We're going to comment on that first step. So today's readers, we have Tenzin P on the uh, on the 12 steps. We have Bonnie M on the 12 traditions. And the readers of the text, we have Reva P, Hoodie R, and Lynn F. So the uh, the reference number, the share ID for, for yesterday, which is Thursday, May 3rd, the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time is 11370. That's 11370, and the 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting is 11371, 11,371. Okay, the, over, the OA preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. <clears throat> we welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states that each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive reader who still suffers. At A Vision for You, a big book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence in the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. So now I am going to ask Tenzin P to read the 12 steps. Hey, Tenzin, good morning. Hi, good morning, everyone, Larry and everyone. Here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. One, we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 
10, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive eaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Okay, we have some traditions. Oh boy, I'm gonna kill, I'm gonna, we just lost a bunch of people. Bonnie, would you read the 12 traditions for us? Hi, good morning. Hey, oh, there you Hi. are. Here I am from uh, PBD, Massachusetts. Grateful to be on Team Friday. Uh, the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you so much. Okay, here's how our meeting uh, works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then we stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose uh, reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There's no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. 
We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute, and once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speaker, should be muted. So today we're going to return to our study in the big book, and we are currently on page 59, the second paragraph that starts, here are the steps we took. And we're going to read through that our lives have become unmanageable. So that very first step, and we're going to focus our comments on step one. So let me ask um, Rita, which, Rita K, would you get us started this morning? Sure, with pleasure. Good morning, Larry. Good morning. My name, good morning. My name is Rita K from Kansas, and I'm recovered compulsive overeater. Here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. One. We admitted we were powerless over over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. And as we all know, on this on this meeting we are saying we admitted we were powerless over food. And you know, this um I'm glad that we're breaking it down like this. Uh as a person who has experienced relapse um more than once, I have said for myself that relapse is a step one issue that I decide at some point along the way during my abstinence only uh, because that's not, that's, not a, that's not recovery thinking. I decide somewhere that I am not powerless over, you name it, you know, this bag of Oreos or for me, corn chips or, you know, uh, you know other things on that list that I am not powerless. And so for me, relapse is a step one issue. And I like it that uh, that Bill used the word suggested, and we often forget that in the rooms, that these are steps that are suggested as a program of recovery. And so I do have to remember that, you know, everybody doesn't go this path. This is a suggestion, and the thing about it is that when you choose a, um, you know, a step guide, a big book guide, a sponsor, whatever your terminology is, when you choose that person and they are taking you through these steps, then for you it no longer becomes a suggestion. This is what you're choosing to do. So I, I really do appreciate what step one says. We admit it. That's the first thing, just admitting. Now, that's not enough. I still, we have 11 more steps to go through. When I was a kid, we had steps and I had stairs in our house. And as a kid, I could take three steps at a time and dash up the stairs. And so, as you know, sometimes you, I, my, I would miss my footing and fall flat on my face. And my mother would say, Rita, take one step at a time, you know, and so that's what we do here. We take one step at a time, and we're starting with step one, admitting that we're powerless. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Rita. Appreciate your service. Okay, we're going to transition over to uh, sharing. And again, we read, we started on page 59. We read through the first step only, the comments on the very first step. And with that, who would like to share? Nancy from G. Barbara Lynette, e. Jason F. Angie. Katie G. Okay, here's what I heard so far. I heard Nancy, I heard Katie, I heard Harlan, I heard Barbara. Who else did I miss? Lisa B. Lisa Tina F. Tina. Pete B. Hey, yo, Pete B. 
Amy G. Amy G. Lynette. Lynn, did I hear Jason in there as well? Jason, were you were you in the mix? Maybe not. All right, well here, let's go with this list. We got Nancy, Katie, Harlan, Barbara, Lisa, Tina, Pete B, Amy G, and Lynn S. And then I'll throw Jason sure. if you're happy to be yeah, there or get I, you there. I, I was muted, sorry, I was in there. Oh, no no worries, Jason, I got you there. So let's start with uh, Nancy, followed by Miss Katie. Nancy, good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Larry, and thank you for your service. This is Nancy H. from Massachusetts, and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overreader. I love this step. It took me a lot of years, though, to actually take it when I always thought that I had taken it already. And um, so I had, I've been in OA for 42 years, and I've been in vision for about two and a half, three, and all this time, I thought I had step one. And I guess I did, but it comes in degrees. You know, some days I'm powerless over everything and I'm powerless over food, people, places, and things. And I keep, my life is unmanageable if I pick up. And I went through that for quite a while. And then this last time that I had a relapse, um, I was heartbroken because I hadn't had sugar for 17 years. And I hadn't had, uh, uh, I just was, I thought I was abstinent, put it that way. And I got this uh, sponsor in OA, Envision, and she pointed out to me that even if I had, say, uh, waffle fries at Friendly's once in 17 years, it still made me not abstinent. So I was very upset about that. And finally, I started over. I had two years of abstinence in this past time. It's been, now it's been six months, a little over. And I think this past time is when I really took step one again in another level. I was driving downtown after I got, I was trying to get abstinent, <laughs> trying, and I was asking my higher power with all my might, but I wanted to eat so bad I couldn't stand myself. And I was driving downtown one day, and it was like maybe a week of abstinence, and I went, oh, my God, I can never have another pizza for the rest of my life. And I started to cry, and I realized that I thought I could handle it sometimes, um, and I thought I could handle just if it was vegetables, that was no big deal. But that's how I started my last binge. And so I finally realized that as soon as I pick up, my life becomes the whole unmanageability story rolls right in. And it doesn't take long. It takes maybe 20 minutes. And so this time I've been abstinent. I really have to keep saying to myself every day, I am powerless over people, places, things, and especially food and my binge foods. And so I, I have gotten the power from God and I'm most grateful for that. And I, I just love this step because I have to keep remembering that my life's going to be unmanageable the minute I pick up that first bite. And thank you, God, so far I haven't done that. And I, I'm i not even looking ahead. I'm just saying God has given me the power. Thank you every day. Um, in the morning I ask for the power to have that again because I know that I could pick up in the drop of a hat. And I have to keep remembering compulsive food behaviors are another problem. And I used to think that didn't really matter that much. But it, it, I've tried not to have compulsive food behaviors many times, but I've always given in. So for me, I'm just very grateful that I, I know step one, but it's something I have to take every single day or else I forget. And I've got that freedom from the mental obsession by working the steps and being recovered. So thank you for letting me share. Have a great day, everyone. Thanks so much, Nancy. Okay, now batting, shortstop, 
Katie G, <laughs> followed by Harlan. Hey, Katie, good morning. up, the winning team. Good morning, friends. This is Katie G, recovered compulsive overeater, anorexic, and bulimic. Yeah, so admitting I was powerless, yeah, I mean, my favorite question, people call me up and they say, I'm on step nine and I ate, should I go back and do the steps? Here's the thing, here's the thing. If I eat, I'm on step one. Actually, no, I haven't even taken step one because I'm saying I have power, choice, or control around the food, right? Powerless is lacking authority, impotent, helpless, you know, and um, one of the things that is, was so valuable for me from a sponsor was that she helped me identify what abstinence was and what abstinence was not so that I was very clear on the food, ingredients, and behaviors that I have tried to control and that those are never on my list again in terms of opportunities to do. Like those are never things that I can take advantage of again. Because if I'm powerless, that's never going to change. As a pickle, never going back to a cucumber. I'm totally sour, right? Like that's just, that's just it. And it took me a long time to realize that. Another thing that was profoundly confusing for me is this unmanageability thing. For me, I am never going to have a manageable life, right? So when I got abstinent, my, my life started seeming to be unmanageable. Or manageable. But let me tell you, for me, unmanageability is not the consequences of my eating, right? It's not the, you know, stuff in my car and the whatever. Unmanageability is that when all of that clears up because I'm not eating, I still can't have relationships. I still overspend money. I still want human powers to fix me. I still have a God-shaped void that I'm looking for somebody or something to fill up and make me feel better. Because if, if I put down the food and my life becomes manageable, then I do not need 12 steps, right? And so for me, what I have been taught is that when I take step three, guess what? I am not in management anymore. And I move forward to look at the causes and conditions that, that the um, things that block me from God. And today, thank you God, you all, that KDG is not in management. Because the destruction that I do in your life, in my life, in my family's life when I'm in management is completely devastating. So today, thank you God, I have a God who manages my life because when when my life becomes manageable by me I'm in trouble so today you know like I I move forward with entire abstinence with not taking those foods behaviors and ingredients back like it's it's it can be so confusing because for so many years you know I was in diet mode and I thought oh you know I can have a little bit of this I can have a little bit of that no entire abstinence is very black and white and it's clear I don't have to rationalize, justify, and defend my right to eat or not eat anything when I'm entirely abstinent. So I'm just grateful that I can continue to surrender each and every day and be one among many with all of you. And with that, I do pass. Thanks, Katie. Okay, we have Harlan followed by Barbara. Harlan, don't be jealous. It's 65 degrees in Chicago. It's going to be high as 74 today. Good morning. It's going to be about 92 degrees here today. Uh, tomorrow is going to be in the 90s. Today it's going to be a little cooler, but by Saturday, by tomorrow and Sunday, it's going to be in the mid-90s. Harlan G., recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. Thank you, Larry. We admitted we were powerless over food, and our lives had become unmanageable. This comes to us from Dr. William Duncan Silkworth. Dr. Silkworth is our great medical benefactor. And on page XXVIII, or 28 in Roman numerals, at the bottom of the page, Dr. Silkworth tells me, 
men and women drink essentially because they like the effect produced by alcohol. The sensation is so elusive that while they admit it is injurious, they cannot, after a time, differentiate the true from the false. To them, their alcoholic life seems the only normal one. They are restless, irritable, and discontented unless they can again experience the sense of ease and comfort, which comes at once by taking a few drinks. Drinks which they see others taking with impunity. Impunity means they're not getting punished for it. Now, what does this mean, powerless over food? It means that I cannot eat because of the physical allergy described in the doctor's opinion, because once I do, I'm going to eat more than I had intended, because my reaction to food physically is adverse and abnormal. Adverse means it's harmful. Abnormal means nine out of ten people desire less food as they eat more. I desire more food as I eat more. My reaction is considered abnormal, and my brain will seek out the effect. What is the effect? It is the sense of ease and comfort that comes instantly by eating an Oreo cookie. My brain is not looking to destroy me with Oreo cookies. My brain is looking to quiet the pain that comes into my heart and soul when I am not eating. And when I am not eating, the pain is overwhelming. Food for me and people like me is not the problem. It is the solution to the problem. The problem is the buildup of human emotion. And when those emotions build, I cannot stand the pain. And the pain of eating becomes preferable to the pain of not eating. Now, if I cannot eat because of the allergy and I cannot keep from eating because of the twist of the mind and the mental blank spot, the built-in forgetter, then I am powerless over food and my life is unmanageable. And when I sponsor people, I ask them to look at this. We admitted we were powerless over our human emotions and our food has become unmanageable. I am not looking to eat more food. I am looking to eat some food to squash the pain. The allergy takes over, and I eat much more food than I had originally intended. The steps are divided into four sections. Admission, step one. Submission, two through seven. Restitution, eight and nine. Reconstruction, 10, 11, and 12. The only step that is in the admission section is step one from Silkworth. We do not take step one by writing things. We do not take, we take step one by getting up and we cannot stand the pain any longer. And we come into OA broken and we come into OA hopeless and then we see that hope and we go from hopelessness to hopeful when we work the steps. That is all I got for today, Larry, on the third hitter. So that means I'm like, I like it. I'm, like, I'm, not, I'm not stopping okay. you. I'm All not right, stopping you. I'll pass, though. Thanks, Harlan. I appreciate it. Okay, we got Barbara followed by Lisa. Good morning, Barbara. Good morning, you happy soul. What a great team, and it's a beautiful day. My goodness, step one, compulsive overeating will kill me. I've got to talk to you honestly. Compulsive overeating was killing me. 
I have been compulsively overeating all my life. But let me tell you what it was like as a child being having to shop in the chubby shops, being the last one picked for a team, not being picked on. I can't say I was picked on or pointed at, but always the last one. In college, not getting into the sorority I wanted, going down to the little uh, room where we studied for our finals and eating food after food, thinking in my genius way that I'd be brighter, I'd be smarter if I kept on eating. What was overeating doing to me? Well, I told you it's been, it's that I gained and lost 12 sizes, 140 pounds, nine times. That's over a thousand pounds. You do the math. What was happening to me? I was literally losing my eyesight due, due to morbid obesity and contraceptive pills, neurologist told me so, thought I had a brain tumor, might be needing surgery, definitely needed surgery for my knee to continue working at the school I was at because I was on the third floor. I still refused. I still balked. I switched schools. I had been an isolator from my family, from my friends. I was waddling around with washcloths taped to my thighs because my thighs were raw. My stomach was so overlapped over the rest of my body that it was red, raw, chafed, and pussy. I was not a good role model for my kids. I gave them a bad body image. I left them alone while they were asleep in their crib to go get food. I was stopped by the cops for erratic driving because I was picking food up off the floor of the car. I was hiding food. I was driving long distance for the food. I was hopeless. I knew my disease wanted to kill me. It was out there waiting in the wings. And all I had to decide was, is there a power that, that wants me to live? And if I want to live, I have the two choices. I can walk through door one, which was the door to life, or walk through door two, the door to death and destruction. And if I wanted to live, I had to choose door one. And then I had to roll up my sleeves and do four through 12. It's not easy, but it's worth it. It has saved my life. Thank you so much. I pass. Thanks, Barbara. Okay, we have Lisa followed by Tina. Mona, Lisa, good morning. Good morning, Larry. This is Lisa. Can you hear me? I can. Thank you. My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina, and I really hope that my share can be helpful to someone that maybe identifies in with uh, my experience. So when I came in here, I was not overweight, and, you know, I've not had a weight issue for, for many, many years of my life. The issue for this disease, and now I know it is a fatal malady, and I like to call it an illness, that's what our big book calls it, um, was the spiritual pain, the mental and the emotional anguish, uh, just feeling like I was in a hole I could not get out. 
And, you know, when I look at this step, for me, the ego, the ego was so big. It still can be so big. Um, I kept thinking that you guys have it so much worse than me that I really don't need to go to all the lengths that you do. I'm not that bad. But that attitude kept me cut off from, from my higher power, from life, from experiencing a very satisfying, happy, free life that I have today. You know, in the Vision for You chapter, it says, but he had found God, and in finding God, he found himself. And that's what's happened to me. But I needed to get really clear and honest. I needed to get honest and that I, too, like you, need to read all the labels. I really need to understand what entire abstinence is. You know, and this book explains how this illness is so cunning, baffling, and powerful that I would not always break out in a binge when I would have my alcoholic substance. Sometimes I would. You know, sometimes I wouldn't, but I know that it is chronic, it's progressive, and it's fatal. And when you met me, if you met me face-to-face, you know, I'm going to borrow a line that I hear from you guys, you would see the tombstones in my eyes. I was not living life. I had to really see that I am truly powerless over food, my substances, my behaviors, my denial, my ego, And I needed to get really clear on what the doctor's opinion means with entire abstinence and then go from there. I had not ever done that. I would part ways with 95% of my substances. But I would think, well, if a little bit is in there and I don't binge on it, it's okay. It still would have an effect on me. And it wasn't until I really got entirely abstinent with what we call yellow foods Everything, everything, that these things begin to make sense to me. But that ego is a a scary thing, you know, but uh, I have to live in these steps every day so it doesn't come back because it does come back. And my life can be unmanageable, even abstinent. That's why I need the steps so that I can have a psychic change, a spiritual awakening. Abstinence is the key to getting the door but the steps is really for that psychic change, that emotional, that psychic pain. And the other thing is, you know, that weight, all of those deeper bottoms, it's all there waiting for me. It's just a yet that hasn't occurred. So, yet. <laughs> With that, I pass. Thank you. Thanks, Lisa. Okay, we have Tina followed by Pete. Hey, Tina, good morning. Good morning, Larry. Thanks so much for your service. Appreciate it. Tina S. Recovered Compulsive Eater, anorexic in Florida. Awesome, great stuff. You know, such few words to to mean and uh, disclose so much for me. You know, uh, when I got here, I didn't think I was powerless over anything, and it took me a while to really get the concept. You know, I love that it says, <clears throat> here are the steps we took. You know, so that means there's some action. I did a lot of thinking. I had some great knowledge, but it was when I took some action that some results started to happen. And, you know, and I love that it talks about on page 45 that lack of power is my dilemma. Whatever the substance that manifests is whatever it is. You know, I have, have several seats and several 12-step programs, you know, because somehow, some way, someday, you know, I won't. Uh, be powerless over this, you know, but the good news for me, you know, the good news, and it talks about the unmanageability, which is a spiritual bankruptcy that I have, that, you know, the solution is power, you know, so that I got steps two through 12. You know, I can stay, and I say this for me, you know, I could stay in step one all I want to try and figure that out, you know, but I am powerless, period. I am powerless whether I take step two through 12 What I need to do is to cultivate a relationship with a power greater than myself so that he can restore me to some sanity. You know, it's not about, you know, 
And yeah, and I have a hard time with this sometimes. It's not about what I think that's going to happen for me if I do this, if I do that. It's about having that relationship and about having God restore me to sanity. And, uh, you know, the good news for me today, and I love that one day at a time I come here, I'm on the line, and I relate to everybody that shares, and that I know that I have a great seat here. And then if I do the work, I get the result. But that, it passed. Thanks. Hey, thanks, Tina. Okay, we got Pete followed by Amy. Hey, Pete, what's up? Thanks, Larry. Pete B., can you hear me okay? You bet. You're coming through loud and clear. <clears throat> My name's Pete B. I'm a compulsive overeater recovered today by God's grace and mercy in Pennsylvania, where I do not know the temperature that it's going to be today. And I just want to preface what I'm going to say with, I'm always, I'm so grateful for the recovered members of Overeaters Anonymous, and I welcome any uh, correction, redirection, or maybe a reconsideration of anything that I'm ever going to say on this line. I think that, that that's what real friends are, and that's what real significant people are. So I just wanted to preface what I'm going to, going to say, because we often hear that, you know, the first step is the only one that we have to work perfectly. You know, we hear different things. And, and, and I, I'm of the opinion that step one, step one is step one. It's not the first step. The first step clearly says that we had to uh, – it, it clearly says in, the, in, the, in our book that we're studying that we learned that we had to fully concede to our innermost selves that we were alcoholics. This is the first step in recovery. The delusion that we are like other people or presently may be has to be smashed. That's the first step. So I have to know what it means to be a compulsive reader. I have to know that I have a fatal, hopeless, progressive illness that gets worse, never better, and there's nothing I am ever going to do to be able to get over it or nothing you are ever going to do to be able to get me over it that I have got to completely and totally surrender and be willing to be transformed. And this, this, this other idea that I am powerless, I will always have an allergy to the, at my alcoholic ingredients. I'll never, ever not have that allergic reaction. But the book also clearly says that, uh, that after working this program, I will be in a position of neutrality and sanity will have been returned. Meaning that I am not, like food cannot jump off the plate and into my gully. It cannot, I, it, it, there's no way that those substances can get in me unless I pick them up, which would be insanity. But as a, as a result of working this program, I have been restored to sanity so that I am not powerless from the, from the perspective that somehow, someway, these things are going to get inside of me. I have to pick them up, right? Neutrality is what I've been seeking in this program. Neutrality is what's been delivered. Like, I believe every single word, every sentence, every story that's in this book, Right? I am not powerless over food because I've been restored to sanity. I have an allergic reaction that deems me not like other people, never will be, never, never have been. And by God's grace and mercy, I stand before you today, a recovered individual. I go where I want, when I want, with who I want. No matter what happens, you do not control, you do not dictate how I'm going to feel about a certain thing. 
those decisions are mine. What, what, you know, victory, man. I, I don't know. I don't know. I guess it's surrender. I don't know what you want to call it. All I know is this, is that I walk a free man today, and I'm grateful. I, 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 I'm, I'm just very grateful. Thank you for letting me show pass. Thanks, Pete. Okay, we got Amy G followed by Lynn S. Amy, what you going to do? Hey, Amy. <laughs> hey, Larry, how are you? My favorite Good. song. <laughs> Hey, thank you so much for your service. My name's Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Woohoo! What an awesome meeting. You know, I'm going to piggyback on what Pete is saying. You know, we're here at Chapter 5. It bears repeating that what have we been going through? We've been learning about, uh, in the doctor's opinion, and more about alcoholism. We've been learning about what this disease actually is, the physical allergy, the mental obsession. We spent a whole chapter on we agnostics, understanding that, if we truly are powerless, then that, with that lack of power, we need a power greater than ourselves outside of ourselves. We need something that can help us with this mental obsession. And then we do the, the great buildup where it says, you know, last paragraph, you know, we stood at the turning point. And here we are at step one, admitted we admitted we were powerless over food and that our lives had become unmanageable. In step one in the AA 12 and 12, it says, you know, every natural instinct cries out against personal powerlessness. And I understand that because my life and what I'd learned prior to program was to just continue to grit it out and continue to try again and again, you know, the insanity of trying to convince myself that I could control this disease and failing utterly and the terror and the torture of not knowing what to do. So here I stood at the turning point. I had to let go of old ideas. I had to admit that I was powerless. It talks about it more in this step in the 12 and 12. It says, until he so humbles himself, his sobriety, my abstinence, my peace of mind, my sanity will be precarious. Proved beyond, it says, proved beyond doubt by immense experience, which we've been hearing on the line today. This is one of the facts of AA life. The the principle that we shall find no enduring strength until we first admit complete defeat is the main taproot from which our whole society has sprung and flowered. Taproot, it means the central element. And why is that powerlessness, that personal powerlessness, the central element? Because I'm not going to work the rest of these steps. It says here, the program, unless we've hit bottom for practicing the remaining AA's uh, 11 steps means the adoptions of attitudes and actions that almost no alcoholic drinking would dream of taking. And that was certainly my case. Unless I admitted powerlessness, I would never do any of those in inventory steps because I wouldn't think I'd need them. I would just continue to apply my knowledge and my willpower to this disease. And guess what would happen? I would get the same result, the misery, the torture, and the powerlessness of the binging. And, and, and what's so beautiful of what we've heard so far is that these experiences and these, these ideas have a, a way to show us the way out. These steps are showing us the way out. But until we first admit powerlessness, until I'm willing to put my ego aside, then I will never be able to be free of this disease. It's truly that black and white for me. I need to, either need to admit powerlessness or I'm going to try to stay in power myself. And I know what happens when I do that. And, oh, by the way, let me wrap up to say it says we admitted we are powerless, meaning that I am no longer alone 
fighting this disease. I not only can seek out a higher power, but I have a fellowship. And in this case, the fellowship, the sponsors, are vital for my recovery. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Amy. Okay, we got Lynn S. followed by Jason. Hey, Lynn, good morning. Good morning. This is Lynn S., a recovered compulsive reader in Toronto, Canada. I've had two pivotal experiences with step one that that were absolutely life-changing. The first one was I'll never forget standing in my kitchen. And it was a Tuesday because I was eating some cottage cheese with cut-up celery sticks and I was putting caraway seeds in the cottage cheese because I couldn't stand cottage cheese, but that's what it says on the paper, so that's what you ate. And I can remember standing there and the tears rolling down my face as I was cutting this stuff up and I thought, I cannot eat like this anymore and I cannot live like this anymore. remember thinking... It can't be that God looked down and he said, I want everybody in the world to be happy except you, Lynn Skilling, and I want you to be miserable. And I remember thinking, there's something wrong with me. That was such an aha moment. And I've heard it said in the rooms of AA that sometimes you get that moment of clarity even before you hit the rooms. And and that was my my moment of clarity. And then I came into and I was so lucky I kind of got zapped overnight and life was great and you know for 17 years you know just running through OA and everything was wonderful and lost my weight and you know just everything was great and then it wasn't and I went into an eight-year relapse and during that eight-year relapse I had I can remember getting three medallions one for two years and two for one year and those were periods, the medallions for, were for being stark, raving abstinent. And that was all. There, was, there wasn't a stitch of recovery in there. And I can remember at one point getting a medallion and saying, I don't understand how I got here with two years of abstinence. But I said, nothing's any different. You know, it, it's, it's not working. Like whatever, it, it's awful and it's not working, sort of. And I can remember... Um, my, my second experience with step one, I had been binging at my sponsor. I'll never forget that, standing in a parking lot, going through the garbage, getting my food out that I had put there and staring at her back and, and stuffing the food down my face. I was so angry at her and, and binging at her. And then going to a retreat and thinking this wasn't the way I thought I'd be coming to this expensive spa and having a wonderful 10 days, and instead I'm coming off a binge. And I can remember going in and sitting down and saying, God, I know that you are the answer, and I know that the steps are the answer, and I can't do it. I have tried my hardest, and I can't get it back, and I'm going to be one of those people that never get it. And I remember reciting and writing out the steps by heart, and it was such a cathartic moment, and I didn't realize at that point that I had given up again, and I was exactly in the same place only much, much worse. And I was admitting I was powerless over food. My life was unmanageable. And thank you, God, I've been able to get recovery again and working the steps, and my life has been transformed. What a powerful, powerful step this is. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Lynn. Okay, Jason, your turn, brother. Hey, Larry, can I be heard? You can. Hi, my name is Jason. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive reader from Alberta, Canada. Um, 
I'm not much of a historian of EA, but um, I think I heard somewhere along the way that uh, when Bill wrote this stuff, um, it was told to him by the group that uh, he should put down that these steps should be written down as suggested because, or you can't can't tell tell people what to do. And uh, I don't know for me. I guess things haven't really changed much in 80-something years because I don't want to be told what to do. And uh, But the thing that it is is uh, I have to take them for me um, because if I don't, I'll just find something to have more of because I, like, as a compulsive reader, I'm addicted to more. Um, you know, without these steps, I mean, always just the support group for me, because, uh, and maybe, maybe that might work for some people, but for me, I was in recovery for years, never did any steps, and, uh, I had lots of outside issues that blocked me, um, but it wasn't until I worked the action part of this program, which is these steps, that I, uh, I found the freedom from my food. You know, food was my last niche, right? Um, so, yeah, suggested, well, not for me. Um, I wanted I wanted the unmanageability to go away, but uh, but I didn't uh, still wanted to have a say in my life. Um, but if I'm powerless, well, I, have to, I need to give up control because... I just keep doing the same things over and over again. It's like on insanity. It was for me. Um, I mean, the God of my understanding wants to have all of me, not just a little bit. Because if I don't let go absolutely, I don't get, I don't get the gifts that He gives me. Um, And I think God wants me to grow spiritually, so... Um... Sorry, that recognized. And I can't do that if I'm stuck in my old ideas. Yeah, so uh, with that, I'll pass. I think that's what all I have to say. Thank you. Thanks, Jason. All right, we got time for maybe two people, or if you take one second each, we could probably fill, fill about 100 people. But anyways, can we get two people to share? Two or three? Hey, Roz, hey, Roz. Roz. Yeah. Roz. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. I heard Roz. Yeah. Is there a Lynn or Linda? Denise. I heard Roz, and I heard a, a, a Lynn or a Linda, maybe? Leslie. Leslie. Okay, let's go Roz and Leslie and see where we're at. Sorry uh, to the rest of you. Roz, good morning. Good morning, Larry. Thank you for your service. Um, let me set my timer. Um, this is Roz R. from Florida. So grateful to be here and grateful for the step of honesty, the principle of honesty in step one. We admitted we were powerless. Um, you know what, this whole step, you know, when I really, when I really got honest with myself, you know, I was at a point, I've been in OA a long, long time. So it wasn't about any more keeping my weight down. My weight was down. I had this abstinence and I, 
I had, uh, you know, I had a, a way of dealing with my food, but my bottom really came with an emotional breakdown, an emotional um, relapse. Uh, just, I was so unhappy and I didn't understand it. You know, all these years, like, you know, I thought, when then? You know, when I got thin, then I'd be happy. When I got rid of the husbands, then I'd be happy. You know, when I finished college, and I did all those things. Um, and I came in, I crawled in into vision um, because I wanted emotional peace and I didn't have it and I didn't know why. And when I went through these steps, you know, the honesty that this first step calls for, you know, of realizing like I needed to take direction from someone, from you know, others who'd had what I wanted. And then I needed to stop saying yes, but, you know, I just said, tell me what to do. I'll do it. And, you know, when I, all those years I've been in program, I never experienced what they talk about, you know, the displacement and rearrangement of the way we think, feel, and act. That has happened to me. And it is like, it is like I am someone else and I don't even know how it happened. It was just so subtle. It happened by working the steps. It happened by revealing who I really am to people in this program, you know, recovered people in the beginning um, to, to keep myself on the track and then, you know, everybody. Uh, but to, you know, to, to admit, you know, things that I feel, shame that I feel, and to not be reprimanded or, or criticized, but to be shown how to work the program, always how to work the program, how to work the steps. When I make calls to people, what's amazing, and I know that's so hard for so many people to pick up that phone, but, you know, nobody asks me how the weather is and, you know, what's my kids doing. They want to know what step I'm on, you know, what's going on. Um, how can I work the program to help me deal with whatever's happening in my life today? That's what I know. That's what I do today. And that's what I give back. And I am, I am so grateful, you know, but you know, it takes what it takes, my God, you know, it's like, I wish I could have gotten this sooner, but the life I have today, you know, is beyond my wildest dreams and the people in my life and the, and the joy and the, and the peace of mind and the neutrality from the food. Isn't that a miracle? So anyway, um, I just thank everybody for being on this line and for the wonderful people that are in my network. And those of you who aren't, I love calls. I get calls and I'm grateful and I know my time's up. Larry, have a wonderful, blessed day. Thank you for doing service today. I pass. Oh, thanks. Thanks, Roz. Leslie, you're next. <laughs> Larry. <laughs> this is Leslie W. from Tennessee. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And the way I read that first step, <clears throat> when I came into the room in 2010, was, eh, step one, I'll admit that I got a little problem over food, but my life ain't unmanageable. I'm good. So let me just get the food plan. Let me just, let me just like, get the diet. Let me just figure this out, because I know I can figure this out, because I know food's not more powerful than I am. Ooh. A lot of pride and a lot of dishonesty, to say the least. And as I've learned, I've been learning um, through this last eight years how unmanageable my life truly was. And it took me relapse after relapse to realize how powerless I really was. And I'll I'll never forget five and a half years ago. When I left um, Nashville, which was the place that I first came to OA, <clears throat> first found OA and moved to Knoxville, you know, I had two years uh, of 
white-knuckled abstinence under my belt, and I thought I was something. And I got separated from my fellowship, which I didn't know it at the time, but that was what was holding me together. And I got here to this new town, and I knew nobody. I knew nobody, and the meetings here were not that strong, and I hadn't found vision. I didn't find vision until 2015, late 2015, which saved, which really, truly, the people in vision, I do, I do really believe that this meeting did save my life, and um, God brought me to this meeting, and God has shown me throughout these last eight years just how powerless I truly am not over food not just over food but everything else in my life um, except for my um, my decision to to follow God's will that I'm not powerless over I'm not powerless over over putting down the food I choose that I choose whether or not to pick up the food and I choose whether or not to follow God's God's plan today and how do I hear God's plan how do I know God's plan? Well, it's often not it's often not my plan. <laughs> and that's how and that's how I know. Thanks guys. Thanks for being here with me and doing it with me. I pass. Thanks, Leslie. Hey, who wants two minutes? Come on. Somebody. Denise C. Denise C. Oh, I'm sorry, Janice. Denise oh, Denise won the lottery. Oh, so sorry. Hey Denise, good morning. Hey, Larry, how are you? This is Denise from Georgia, a compulsive overeater. Um, powerless. I knew when I finished the doctor's opinion that I was powerless. I was grateful that my sponsor took me through the doctor's opinion line by line. And um, when I realized that I had an illness, a sickness, and that I would forever have it, I knew I, had, I became powerless. I knew the only person that could help me would be a higher power, and my higher power I call God. And with his help, I have been able to be abstinent and to stay away from my foods of allergy. I don't go near them because I'm afraid of them now. I have neutrality over them, and that's where my powerless comes from. It comes from the fact that knowing that I cannot have these things, to have these things for me is to die. And I choose life today. I choose to live. So I will forever stay away from those one day at a time, 24 hours a day. And with that, I'll pass. And thank you for allowing me to share. Thanks, Denise. Okay, we're going to wrap it up, wrap her up here. Um, Thank you to everyone who has shared. Let me give you the share ID for today, Friday, May 4th, for the 7 a.m. meeting. It's 11,000. 373. That's 11373. Please join us for a a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And we're now going to close from a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Hey, Hoodie, will you take us out here? Good morning to you, Larry. This is Hoodie. Um, Am I being heard? You are. Perfect. Okay, thank you so much. My name is Harrietta, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. 
But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.